All right, if you would take your Bible this evening and turn to 2 Thessalonians and then also 2 Timothy. <clears throat> We're looking at these two passages tonight. I said some time ago I was going to bring a message about the deception in the world, and uh, so tonight <clears throat> I'm going to do that. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, of course both these passages are written concerning the last days and uh, do believe we are living in the last days and it describes those days of days of deception. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by Spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us. Evidently, somebody was sending messages some way. Uh, they didn't have texts and all that kind of stuff, but evidently there was a letter sent, and Paul said, uh, don't be troubled, don't be worried, uh, as if it came from us, because it didn't. But anyway, uh, as that the day of Christ is at hand, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling way first, that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who poseth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. <clears throat> and Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 this know also in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, thank, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. And then verse 13 says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So that's the title tonight, Deceiving and Being Deceived. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to be assembled together and to encourage and strengthen one another in our walk with the Lord. I pray that you'd help us to look into the Word of God tonight and as we consider some of the deceptions in the world today. How can we see it in the light of the Word of God and realize it for what it is, uh, people being deceived? I pray that you'd help us to um, not be shaken or troubled by the things that we see going on in the world, but to rest in the promises of your Word, knowing that uh, you know all things and uh, nothing can, can harm us unless you allow it. So, Lord, just have your will and way. May you be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> You know, the Word of God warns us in many places that there will be, be, and is, I believe we're living in those days, much deception in the last days. 
you know, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Peter chapters 2 and 3, the book of Jude is all about the apostasy and the deception that's going to be coming into the world. Uh, and, you know, Jude also talks about them denying the only Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these are not atheists he's talking about. These are people that say they believe in God, that creep into the churches, and yet by their, their, their doctrines and their practices, they deny the Lord Jesus Christ. They deny the Lordship of Christ. And <clears throat> Jesus himself in the Gospels told these, these things. And for example, Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, says, And he said upon the Mount of Olives, disciples came unto privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And of course, he's talking about, What shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world? Jesus answered them, said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. And in verse 5 he says, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and deceive many. Verse 11, Many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. Verse 24, There shall rise false Christs and false prophets, shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. In other words, they're, they're so going to be so deceptive, so smooth, and so tricky with their deception that they're in danger of deceiving the very people of God. And so these are the kinds of things that, that I believe, you know, we see a lot of deception in our world today. Uh, there are many who preach a false gospel and have gathered great followings in which many are deceived and by which many others have been deceived or adopted their marketing techniques to market, to make merchandise of the gospel. Uh, and they use these techniques to build churches filled many times with false professors. And, uh, <clears throat> and you know, that's, that, that's, that's what we see in the world today. But consider the deception in our world. And I'll just throw out a few things. I think we most of us know this, this stuff, but... You know, the deception in the world, you know, the deception of the bureaucratic health care system. I mean, you know, there are, there are uh, more and more things coming out and, and uh, people, you know, writing things and, and uh, articles. Uh, I, I, you know, I get updates regularly from the Epic Times. And uh, I got one the other day titled, More Good News on Ivermectin. This was January 6, 2022. And, and it starts out this way, quote, When it comes to the treatment of COVID-19, many Western nations have been hobbled by politi- politi- politicization of medicine, unquote. Uh, <clears throat> and anyway, in the, but, but this article quotes study after study, for example, uh, there, and it, there was a uh, uh, a lady, Dr. Tess Laurie. She is the um, I can't remember what what she's um, she's a medical doctor and PhD researcher. She's done a lot of work in South Africa. Also, director of evidence based medicine consultancy, LTD, which is based in the United Kingdom, and uh, she helped organize the British Ivermectin Recommendation Development Panel and the International Ivermectin for COVID Conference in April 4th of 2021. But anyway, uh, she did a review and uh, study, and, uh, and they found that in January 18th, 21, they found that Ivermectin reduced COVID-19 deaths by 75%. 
there was another study in February of 8, 2021, finds 68% reduction in deaths. Uh, there was one study, uh, study uh, published in March 31st, a 62% reduction in deaths. And when the and and um, there was another done with 72 percent reductions in deaths, and and so she writes that data from 18 randomized controlled trials that included over 2,100 patients demonstrated that ivermectin produces a faster viral clearance, faster time to hospital discharge, faster time to clinical recovery, and a 75 percent reduction in mortality rates. Unquote. And so in April, she hosted an international ivermectin for COVID conference online. There was 12 medical experts from around the world, and these were all on Zoom and recorded on Zoom at birdgroup.org. And in her closing address, Dr. Laurie stated this, quote, The story of ivermectin is highlighted that we are at a remarkable junction in medical history. The tools that we use to heal in our connection with our patients are being systematically undermined by relentless disinformation. The story of ivermectin shows that, as a, as a, that we as a public have misplaced our trust in the authorities and have underestimated the extent to which money and power corrupts. Had ivermectin been employed in 2020 when medical colleagues around the world first alerted the authorities to its efficacy, Millions of lives could have been saved, and the pandemic, with all its associated suffering and loss, brought to a rapid and timely end. With politicians and other non-medical individuals dictating to us what we were allowed to prescribe to the ill, we as doctors have been put in position that, such that our ability to uphold the Hippocratic Oath is under attack, unquote. And during the conference, she proposed that doctors around the world join together to form a new people-centered world health organization, and she said this, quote, never has before has our role as doctors been so important because never before have we been become complicit in causing so much harm, unquote. And yet this deception continues in our world uh, and, you know, in, in these medical profession or these bureaucrats are looked upon as the science, you know, Dr. Fauci is, you know, if you deny what he says, you're denying science, is what he touts over and over again. And uh, many have called him the God Fauci, you know, and so on and so forth. But, but there's, there's, so there's so much deception and disinformation with this, this, the healthcare system now. We see also in our world the deception of systemic racism, particularly in our country. You know, Acts 17, 26 says, and he says, It hath made of one blood all nations of men for dwell on the face of the earth, hath determined the times before appointed the bounds of their habitation. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, 11 says, And hath put on the new man, we're talking about in the church, those are saved, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in and in all. You know, there, there. You know, as as Christians, there's no place for racism, and and this this idea of systematic racism in our country is a lie. It's an outright lie, and of course, the teaching of critical race theory and sad to say, 
churches have got on board. You know, I, I think I read to you an article here some months ago about from a guy, Craig Mitchell, he's a on the Ethics Committee of the Southern Baptist Convention saying and it was reporting, and this was in two thousand eighteen, I believe, that critical race theory was being taught at Southeastern Seminary. And he named the guy, Walter Strickland, who's teaching it, who by the way is still on the staff there, I just looked today. Uh, intersexuality, sectionality, which means, you know, critical race theory says that a white man cannot know morality nor right, basically, is what is according to him. And intersexuality says that a man can't know morality nor right. So it's, it's hyperfeminism. He says both of these are communist theology. Uh, Larry Alder, who is another black man, uh, in an article, I on the News, Subtitle: play, Playing the race card on Larry Elder, and this was he was running for governor in California, and and uh, they were, of course, they call him the Uncle Tom, but but they uh, you know they they tried to to play the race card on him, but but he has some facts. He uh, <clears throat> you know LeBron James maintained in a tweet during the George Floyd riots, quote, and this is what he said, LeBron James. Quote, we are literally hunted every day, every time we step outside the comfort of our homes, unquote. But Elder, he has a different take. He said, quote, if a young black man is eight times more likely to be killed by another young black man than by a young white man, then systematic racism is not the problem, unquote. And now, of course, these, these statements like this are troubling to the left. However, uh, Elder has the facts, and and they don't like where he gets the facts because they come from the left's favorite sources, the CDC. Uh, Showed data in 2015, for example, that homicide victimization rates for blacks aged 10 to 34 was 37.5 per 100,000, with 13 times the rate for whites. was 13 times the rate for whites. And and in Los Angeles, again, these are from the CDC data. In Los Angeles, blacks this year, so this was uh, 2021, blacks this year have committed 46% of homicides whose offender is known, even though they are just 9% of the population. 46% and only 9% of the Los Angeles population. Whites make up 28% of the Los Angeles population, have committed only 4% of homicides, mostly involving domestic violence. These data, reported by the Los Angeles Times, mean that a black Angelino, that's somebody from Los Angeles, is 30 times, 35 times more likely to commit a homicide than a white Los Angeles citizen. Homicide data are the gold standard for crime statistics. Alas, for, for the, again, for these other guys that are promoting this other, other stuff. But anyway, um, and, and if our, as far as police killings, a, uh, again, this article states, quote, a police officer is 875 times as likely to be killed on the job as an, as an unarmed black is to be killed by a police officer. 875 times more likely a police officer to be killed than an unarmed black person by a police officer. Historically, blacks have made up over 40% of cop killers nationwide. 
43% between 2005-2013, though they are, at most, 13% of the nation's population. In fact, if you go to the FBI's statistics, they commit over, over 50% of all the, the murders and violent crimes in the country, and they're only 13% of the population. New York City, blacks were responsible for 74% of murders of on-duty New York Police Department officers between 1986 and 2020. In 2019, blacks nationally nationally were over 37% of all cop killers whose race was known. Conservatively estimating that 40% of the cop killers this year have been black, 20 officers have been killed by a black suspect in 2021, and so on. And here's an interesting thing. I just heard this on the radio couple of weeks ago, and I thought, I got to look that up. Jesse Jackson. Y'all know who Jesse Jackson is, right? In December 12, 1993, this was printed in New York Times opinion piece. In Chicago, Jesse Jackson said this, quote, There is nothing for pain, more painful to me at this stage in my life than to walk down the street and hear footsteps and start thinking about robbery. And then look around and see somebody white, and feel relieved, unquote. So if it's somebody white, he feels relieved. That tells tale, doesn't it? You see, and the people who promote this systemic racism are the ones who are promoting racism. The Democrats, the liberals, they're out to destroy our country. You know, and we are so deceived with this thing. Some are so deceived, or they do it on purpose, for political purposes, you know, that the, even the state of Oregon governor signed a bill that required reading and math proficiency requirements for high school graduates. Stopped. Uh, because it would hold back black, Latino, Latinx, uh, indigenous, native indigenous people, and she named all these minorities. And even Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, I guess that's how you say his name, says our highway system has racism built into it. Um, This is a deception that you know, of course, it's getting old, but people are deceived by this, and, and we ought not be. Uh, the third thing that kind of goes along with this is an ease of punishment for nonviolent crime will help to reduce crime. I just saw the uh, new DA in New York City. Has 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 is you know, though the new mayor said he's going to be tough on crime. The DA is not going to be charging anyone for nonviolent crimes. In California, again, this is this is happening in California, uh, where they are they are not. I thought I. Um, Thought I had an article about that, but maybe I forgot to bring it along. Anyway, um, oh, here it is. 
<clears throat> you know, this is, again, this is related to the systematic racism line used to justify criminal behavior. According to Larry Alder, again, the false narrative about lethal police racism has only led to more black homicides. Quote, he said this, quote, when you reduce the possibility of a bad guy getting caught, getting convicted, and getting incarcerated, guess what? Crime goes up. Crime goes up. And the Bible says in Isaiah 26, 9 and 10, With my soul have I desire thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. And we know that what God says about punishing crime. You take a man's life, by man shall your blood be shed. That you would put away evil. You know, there, there is... There is, you know, there is even punishment for robbery, there's, you know, for all sorts of things. You know, we get our law, really, from the Bible. But verse, 20, verse 10 of Isaiah 26 says this, Let favor be shown to the wicked, yet will he not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness will he deal unjustly, and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. If, if sentence is not executed, their hearts are going to be set to do evil. The only way to curb evil is with judgment. Correction. This is why child discipline is so important in the family. It's so vital. Do you realize all those criminals out there were somebody's child first and likely did not receive the correction? Or we could say it another way and say the same thing, the biblical, a biblical love. Because a biblical love will chastise its child. Because the biblical love hates sin and knows the consequences and the hurt that's, that's going to be caused by sin. And so... Uh, and they'll be, being, you know, children that are not disciplined are going to be emboldened in their rebellion. Proverbs twenty nine seventeen: Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Proverbs nineteen eighteen: Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Your children should have a healthy fear of their father. Fear. They should be afraid to disobey. That's what the Bible teaches. Just as much as you and I should be afraid to disobey God. That's where, we, by the way, that's where we learn to be afraid to disobey God. So we learn to reverence God. So, so these are the these are some of the deceptions. You know, of course, the the deception that's in our world today that's prevalent that the government has money. I'm going to read a quote here for you. Quote, my Build Back Better agenda costs zero dollars. Instead of wasting money on tax breaks, loopholes, and tax evasion for big corporations and the wealthy, we can make a -a once-in-a-generation investment in working America. And it adds zero dollars to the national debt. Unquote. Yeah. You all know where those words of wisdom came from, right? The guy that calls himself president that can't hardly put three words in front of another. 
it's interesting he uses this word, make a once-in-a-generation investment. You know, one of the words that Bill Clinton used when he was raising taxes was contributions. You know, we need to make contributions to the federal government. Of course, the Congressional Budget Office says that this thing is going to cost closer to $5 trillion and increase the deficit by a record $357 billion. But people think government has money. Where do they think it comes from? Taxpayers. And then, of course, the, one of the greatest ones, I think, is the, 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 the gender deception. You know, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, he made them male and female. Um, <clears throat> and this is, of course, a very great deception. And, uh, you know, an interesting thing is I, I, was, I was looking at, and I don't really care for, for, for UFC and all that kind of stuff. I don't watch fights. But I, I saw this video clip where they were doing some weigh-ins. And so a little, I, I did a little research because it just it, it jogged a thought in my mind, okay? So, so the, the heaviest women's MMA, UFC, Heaviest class is 145 pounds, and they call it featherweight. That's the heaviest women's UFC class. You know what the men's is? 265. Now, that raises a question. So why are there no heavyweight women's classes? Well, this Donald Tepper, whose son is in... UFC fighting, said this, quote, because there are a few high-quality heavyweight female fighters. There isn't, a, there isn't a light heavyweight, a middleweight, a weatherweight, welterweight, or a few lower divisions for female fighters. The highest is featherweight at 145 pounds. Uh, the bottom line is there aren't enough women heavyweights or light heavyweights or middleweights and so on to justify an MMA women's heavyweight division. Do you know what? You know why? Because women are smaller than men, as a general rule. That's why. Let me give you some facts. Men are, on average, six inches taller and 25 pounds heavier than women. That's average. On average, women are only 52% as strong as men in their upper body, body, and only 66% as strong as men in their lower body. Gender differences in strength and muscle fiber, these, these are the differences. Uh, a, somebody asked this, can a highest weight class in women's UFC beat the lowest weight class in the men's division in an MMA fight? What do you think? And so this guy, John Gonzalez, he, he wrote this. He said, sometimes maybe, but the men will still win the majority of the time. The highest weight class for women is UFC is 145 pounds. The lowest for men is a feather fly weight at 125 pounds. So you're talking a 20-pound difference. He said that's only 20-pound weight difference, and that's not a big enough size difference to compensate for the strength disparity between men and women. 
if this was some average untrained 125-pound Joe in the streets versus a 145-pound elite female MMA fighter, then sure, the woman probably wins. But you're talking about highly trained professional male fighters. Not only is it doubtful that this will grant the woman a strength advantage, the men will now be far faster and more explosive being from a lighter weight class. Really, the only advantage the woman will have is size and reach, but 20 pounds just isn't that big an advantage, not between men and women. Maybe if the size difference was bigger, like 200 pound female and 125 man, but even that's tricky. People don't understand that the physical difference between men and women isn't limited only to strength and size. Men are also faster and more explosive, making the woman much bigger will compensate for size and maybe strength, but it will make the woman even more disadvantaged in speed and explosiveness. Not saying the woman can't win. There's always a possibility, but in general, it's going to be very badly for the woman. So, when a transgender biological male who says he's a woman competes in women's sports and wins, he has only proven what a wimp of a man he is in my opinion. Why in women's sports? Because he can't win in men's competition? You know, this was Newsweek. Title was, Who is Leah Thomas? December 8th, 2021. Leah Thomas, a 22-year-old trans woman from Pennsylvania, is breaking numerous college records in swimming, but is the subject of fierce debate because of her status as a transgender athlete. Male online columnist Piers Morgan wrote a column saying that Thomas was, quote, unsuccessful as a male swimmer, unquote, and said it was, quote, unshockingly unfair, unquote, that she should compete in women's swimming. Quote, Leah Thomas is on her way to irrevocably disengage disintegrating women's swimming records, not because she's a natural-born, brilliant swimmer, because when she competed as a man, she was mediocre at best. No, she will do it because she's got a hugely advantageous physique over her female rivals, unquote. Morgan wrote. And I didn't know Piers Morgan to be all that conservative. But he's exactly right. Because let me tell you a little bit about this Okay, this thing is actually a he. His right name is Will, who now is called Leah. Broke the women's 500-yard freestyle with a time, 4 minutes, 34.06 seconds. That's the new Ivy League record. Wow. Do you know what the record for the men's time is? 4 minutes, 7 seconds. That's over 26, so, so her record in the women's is over 26 seconds slower than the men's record where he should be swimming. So what Piers Morgan said is right. Will Thomas is mediocre in men's division. You know what I think? That I'm judging here. But I think a lot of them do it because they can't compete with the men, but they know they can beat the women.
you know, and this, this, is, this is, you know, happening all across the country in all kinds of things. There's an, an article in the Daily Signal back in July, and it gives a few things here. Let me give you a couple examples of the, 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 the silliness of how ludicrous this is. Okay, in basketball, a 50-year-old, 6-foot-8-inch, 230-pound man who goes by Gabriel Ludwig, whose real name is Robert, led the Mission College women's basketball team to a national championship with the most rebounds. That's impressive. Six foot eight, 230-pound man who calls himself a woman. In mixed martial arts, male fighter Falon Fox, again a transgender, shattered female fighter Tamika Brent's eye socket and gave her concussion. Brent's said she, quote, never felt so overpowered in her life, unquote. So here's this transgender who's actually a man fighting in the women's division of MMA and shatters an eye socket and gives a lady a concussion. And the lady said, I never felt so overpowered. And of course, you know, there's, there's all kinds of the, these. You know, the simple truth is that males outperform females in regard to speed and strength due to inborn genetics and sex hormones. I mean, you can deny it all you want to. It's reality. This is a, this is a real deception. And, you know, the sad thing is these people need help. They are self-deceived. But the greatest deception in our world today is not all these. These are just fruits of spiritual deception. And that's what our passage is really about here. And if you look in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it's talking about the last times, and it describes these people in the last times. And these are, it's describing religious people because it says they have a form of godliness, verse 5, but deny the power thereof. They have a form. In other words, they have a semblance of godliness. They, they have a something that has a likeness of conversion, of salvation, but deny the power thereof. And, and the power, and it's the power of godliness. That word godliness has the idea of reverence or respect. It's used in other places in the Bible. In Acts chapter 3, verse 12, for example, it's, 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 it's the, a, translated as the word holiness. It says there, and when Peter saw it, you know, they healed, Peter and John had healed this uh, lame man. And when the pe- Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Why look you so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness, the same word is translated godliness here in, in uh, 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 verse 5 of 2 Timothy 3. So we made this man to walk. And so this word godliness has the idea of, of, a, of a reverence or suspect. There's a, there's a, a power. First uh, Timothy 4, 7 and 8 says, Refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise rather thy, thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise that now is and of that which is to come. So godliness is profitable all things. 
You know, holiness, it was the holiness and godliness working in the life of Peter and John that had an effect in their lives that was, that was seen by the things that they did. You know, godliness in this sense is, is a power of God in us by the presence of the Holy Spirit that affects change in a life by a true relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that's established by repentance. And repentance is really a submission to the Lord. But see, you know, Jude, one of the things that Jude says in verse 4 is that they're going to deny the Lord, the only Lord God, and our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, these deny the Lordship. You know, there's, there's no power in a human Jesus to affect and change your life. There is power in the God-man to affect and change your life. I mean, it, that avails to us, or makes available to us, the power of God to affect change. And this is the idea of godliness here, I believe. You know, Jesus said in Luke 4, 6, 46, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? 2 Corinthians 13, 4, For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Though we, are, we may be weak in ourselves, but we can live with him by the power of God. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God. You know, all things are become new, or all things are of God. You know, in other words, everything in my life should be governed by the Lord and by the power of God, which we now have available to us. Our spirit has been quickened. It's been given new life. In other words, our attitude, our speech, our work ethic, what I watch, read, listen to, what I wear, how I spend my money, who are my close friends. You know, all these things, you know, you know what these things really are? They're behavioral standards. You know, a true relationship with God will affect your behavior. I mean, think about the change. Read about, read about James and John in the Gospels and some of the things they said. You know, James and John wanted to bring down fire out of heaven and destroy the Samaritans because they didn't receive the Lord. And the Lord Jesus said to them, you don't know what men or men you are. He called them sons of thunder. Yet that same John became what we know as the apostle of love. Here's Peter, you know, who's always sticking his foot in his mouth. Who's always, you know, saying things before he knows what, thinks about what he says. He, he, he has a problem running his mouth and saying things and... He's not sure about it. Or he's going to correct the Lord himself. Not so, Lord. You're not being crucified in my watch. And Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. And the guy who was afraid to admit that he was one of Jesus' followers denied him three times. 
And yet, 50 days later, preaches to the, the whole crowd at Jerusalem and says, Whom ye have crucified and slain! What happened? It's the power of God. See, it's the power of God to effect change. And it says here, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. I'm reading a book that was given to me. And it's called The Unsaved Christian. Now, it's written by a Southern Baptist I think he's a Southern Baptist. Southern Baptist preacher of a contemporary church. And his whole thesis is that, you know, there's so many people out there that have a form of godliness who say, think they are Christian because maybe they prayed a prayer or they joined a church somewhere or they were baptized or you know, or uh, any number of things, or some of them will say, well, I've been a Christian all my life. Reasons they give, but they, they've never been truly born again, never repented of their sin. They, they believe this easy believism gospel, which is a false thing. And, and yet, as I read through the book, so I went to his website. And you know what my conclusion is? He's part of the problem. Because he uses the world's music. You know, he, the, the, the holiness, practical holiness, isn't something that's taught at his church. It's all just in word. But the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Yeah, that's, that's speaking of an ongoing thing. It's called growth. And so you continually examine your life, and by the power of God, you mold it and change it into more in the image of Christ day by day. That's the idea there. Hereby know we that we are in him. You know, is, is Christ of any real consequence in our life? Is he the Lord? The way most of us were trained was, you ask a person if they, when they die, do they know they're going to heaven when they die? You know, the Bible never, Jesus never asked anybody that in his earthly ministry. John the Baptist came on the scene preaching repentance. And Jesus came on the scene preaching repentance. Need to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. You ask the person, do they want to go to heaven and die? Only a fool would say, no. You know, the question we ought to ask is, have you repented? Have you a real relationship with God? And relationship implies communication. You know, how do you have a relationship with somebody and you don't communicate with them? 
you know, communicate, if we're going to communicate with God, we've got to be in his word. Communicating him, allow him to communicate to us through his word and, and through prayer. And so, this is, this is the greatest deception. They have a form of godliness. And one of the other characteristics is they're ever learning and never able to come to knowledge of the truth. You know what they do? They come up with new things. New movements. You know, the program for the church hasn't changed since Jesus walked the earth. It hasn't changed. But we're continually, you know, the world's continually the, 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 the contemporary, the seeker-friendly. You know, we have all these different different methods that people have used down through the years. Now they find out the seeker-friendly thing didn't work either because people didn't stay after all. They thought they'd be able to keep them, you know, but they didn't stay. It turned out to be a failure. And the pandemic has revealed it big time. <laughs> people quit going to church. Why? Because they have more fear of the things in the world than they do of God. Why? Because they have a form of godliness. There's a lack of reverence and respect for God. They have more respect for men of the world in positions of power than they do for the commands of God. See, this is the great deception. The great deception. You know, we don't not be deceived. Paul told those at Thessalonica, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled or shaken. We need to trust. We need to hold fast. He tells them at the end of chapter 2, that they need to hold the traditions, that's the teachings that have been passed down from the beginning, from the Lord himself. Hold those teachings that we've been taught, whether by word or our epistle. So we just need to hold fast and not be shaken. Don't be deceived.